How are you? I am great. I'm sweaty. I'm a little sunburned and great. How are you? Um, actually similar on all counts. Did I'm you sweaty. just polish off that fever? No, no. There's oh, it like you just no, like no. it. It's real close. Just it's real close. Can and toss it. I, as Evan is on a work trip today. Sorry, there might be children noises because everywhere in my house, there's neighbors real close. Um, Evan is on a work trip today. So basically, as soon as work was done, I fucking cracked open my Peter. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I can't make the sound. It, really? Yeah. <laughs> Can you do a like K sound? Can you There's do a lot of like? Nope, nope, I can't. You can't. I wish. You're trying to put it in your throat. You don't need it in your throat. You need it in your teeth. Nope. You're trying to leave all of that in. Um. Oh my God. Anyway. Can the name um, of the title of this episode just be? Yeah. If I could figure out how to spell that. Fair. Maybe it'll just be a bunch of letters together, and it'll be like a mystery, and people have to listen to the podcast to find out what it is. It pops up on their little podcast home thing, and they're like, "Oh, dang, a mystery, an audio, audio like scavenger hunt." <laughs> Or you were typing it up, fell asleep, your forehead hit the keyboard. This is what more, more accurately, one of the cats walked across my keyboard. Fair. Um. Anyway, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm fine. <laughs> anyway, I'm fine. I'm doing good. Um, my little sunflower is going bananas amazing i grew him from a small seed impressive um i'll send you a photo of him and he'll he's i'm very proud of him um and yeah that's that's about all that i've got going on Mm -hmm. i think we're gonna go camping again this weekend amazing um have we talked since i went halibut fishing no and spent the entire the entire trip, like no joke, the entire trip, heaving my guts out over the side of the boat. I fed so many halibut. I saved the I saved the seas. You did. You single handedly. The halibut populations have never been so high because you fed oh my them God. so well. You're welcome, fishing game. Um you should get a bonus. It was very fun. I had a great time. Sounds fun. Uh, <laughs> Rachel Evans because we went with Evan's parents and uh, his mom was like, I, I, you are in such a good mood. I am so confused by it. <laughs> she was like, I would just be sitting being like, please, nobody talk to me. And I was like, no, I mean, like, I feel terrible when I'm nauseous. But as soon as I puke, I feel great. And we're in Kachemak Bay. Like, what better place to be, like, puking my guts out than in Kachemak Bay? And like, like, hi, has anyone introduced you to the world of chronic pain? <laughs> That's what Evan said. Evan was like, this is my better than normal. He was like, no offense. I hope you take this as a compliment. But you deal with being uncomfortable better than anyone I've ever met. I was like, 
that I actually do Thank take you. that very much as a compliment because that's just my life. Um, anyway, it was great. I had a great time. <laughs> and the crew all thought that it was funny that every time I puked, I would turn around and yell boot and rally and grab a fishing pole. <laughs> so sure. I feel like I feel like the crew and I really bonded, which is nice because the I don't know, there's something like so intimidating about how cool I think fishing boat crews are. Right. You know, like I just think yeah. they're very cool people and they're like intensely cool. And like this this crew it was like three people that were all like my age and one of them was like this cool lady who's just like, "Oh yeah, like I'm doing fishing stuff." <laughs> And it was just, yeah, they were just all very cool. I was like, well, I'm going to try and play it cool as I barf up everything that's ever entered my body. Was the name of the boat the cool? It wasn't. It was. Feels like a missed opportunity. I think kind of something lame. I don't remember. Mm. Anyway, I couldn't remember if I had told you that. Um, I don't think so, no. Yeah, just but that's awesome. Puked a bunch. Sweet. So much. How was Texas? It was great. It was hot. Uh, it was thunderstormy, which was awesome because it was oh. the Texas thunderstorms of like, yes. oh man. Um, my nieces and nephew are obsessed with Trevor. Just <laughs> that's so cute. Deeply obsessed. I How was, old is? How old is the oldest one of the group? 11. It's 11 to 5, and there are seven of them. Wow. And I was cool for a long time that they can't remember now because they were too young. Right. And then Trevor came along, and he is just like, oh, my God. (laughs) They are obsessed. He got to play house for the first time, which was just wonderful to take part in and watch. Cause I was like, this was my entire childhood. Just like, like you're the mommy and you're the daddy and oh. I'm the daughter and this is the cat and we're the, you know, like just pretend. Yeah. Um, and it was really funny because one of the kids had taken a bunch of bouncy balls and written on pieces of paper, different abilities and then like taped one to each bouncy ball. And so at the beginning of each quote unquote morning, when we were playing this pretend game, she could pick a bouncy ball and that was her gift for the day. That was her talent for the day. So it was like control the seasons, control my sisters, control, you know, such a good idea. It was really so smart. And so one of them was control the weather. And then we went on a field trip to uh, the downstairs and we were in this like den family room and she was <laughs> she was making it rain different stuff on each of us. And so it would rain tacos or it would rain rainbows or it would rain dogs or it would rain. Raining rainbows is extremely rain. meta. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of meta going on. Um, <laughs> but she would come up to us and she would say, what do you want it to rain? And then we told her and she would either grant our wish and let it rain what we wanted it to rain or it would rain dirt and worms. Cool. And so she, depending, depending on how, you know, 
sassy she was feeling, sprightly she was feeling, she would give us what we wanted or it would rain dirt and worms. And that was the big reveal. And then she'd giggle and run to the next person. Well, she only has sisters and her dad doesn't, I guess, play pretend with them. I don't know. But she, I don't think she'd ever played with a boy. And so she went up to Trevor and she was like, what do you want it to rain? He was like, dirt and worms. And she was like, what? And it just <laughs> That's like. That's what I was going to ask. It's like, what if you asked for dirt and worms? Right. So they all short circuited and just stared at him. <laughs> and he like looks at me like, what did I do? And I was like, no, no, no go with it. Go with it. <laughs> so she goes, uh, uh. Dirt and worms, and then ran away. Um, and so the next time he asked for something bad, uh, oh, he, she said, what do you want it to rain? He said, poop. <laughs> and they had clearly never even considered this, and they were all deeply mortified and yeah. so grossed out. I was like, welcome to this is a boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she just, like, looked at me and looked at him and looked at me, and she was like, rainbows. And then <laughs> ran away, like, you clearly need help. But at one point she did this and right as she like gestured to one person and ran away, a huge crack of thunder outside happened. And she looked at me, I swear to God, with like, did I do that? Oh my goodness. And I was like, this is work. I hope you remember this day for the rest of your life. (laughs) I love that so much. It was incredible. And then we went into the family room where everybody else was and they were watching a college softball game because it was a championship. And one of the twins curled up and she was like why are we watching this? And so we had to explain to her that sometimes adults like sports <laughs> and she promptly fell asleep. <laughs> Relatable. That would be She's me. Like, I just, I'm going to sleep through this. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was really quick. It was two days. We just played in the pool all day and, you know, did kid stuff. It was great. Nice. Nice. That sounds great. Yeah, it was really nice to, like, see and hug family and, mm-hmm. you know, pandemic stuff. Just casual pandemic things. Pandemic stuff. KK couldn't go. She had to stay home and rest and, you know, recover from two surgeries. Right. But um, I was just sending her pictures of her kids in either, like, embarrassing pool goggles or like <laughs> one child just has a gift and she knows exactly when to blink in every photo. So she's always blinking in photos. That's amazing. Um, so I was just sending her a bunch and I was like, for when they graduate high school, middle school, whatever. Like, yeah, really. Um, yeah, really. Show. Feel that, fill that yearbook. Did your school do that? Where it was like, you had the, oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. Page of like a dedication. Baby photos. Writes nice things to you and puts a bunch of photos. Oh yeah. 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 We, my dad has a bunch of chess sets from his dad because his dad collected chess sets. That's very cool. All over the world. And he like, he wrote down, he like typed out, I'm sure once he got a computer, where he got each chess set from. And so he gave us our pick of them. And we chose this one that's super ornate and carved. And it's really unique and beautiful. I've never seen anything like it. And it was really heavy. We brought it back and he was showing me, he was like, okay, it's either this one or this one. And I don't know exactly which one it is, but we narrowed it down and we're pretty sure that it's from Hong Kong in the late 1940s. And it is so cool. That sounds so cool. It's so cool. We were, we carried it on because we didn't want to check it and have it like Mm -hmm. break or something. And of course it gets flagged. And so they bring it over and they're looking at it. And I was like, this would be just the worst time to find out that my grandpa secretly did cocaine or something. (laughs) 
seriously. There's like a secret compartment inside. I know. It I was like, like, please, 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 don't let part of these pieces screw open and there's somehow 1950s drugs inside. Please, please, please. Oh please, my please. Uh, But no, we were good. No drugs. Good news. She opened it up and she was like, what is this? <laughs> okay, so, so far, because I keep like a running tally in my head of like potential episode titles, and it's either going to be Raining Rainbows or 1950s Drugs. <laughs> Who you knows? Know, but we haven't even started yet. So I know, it's so hi, early. Welcome still. to Vape Town. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> there's, there's so much animosity in our welcome. 100%. And I there's no other way to do it. I really love it. Yeah, I really yeah. love it deeply. Yeah. It's our thing. Yeah. Um May I Thank you. Your... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um thanks for I, having me. I live to serve, you know. Um What are you drinking? Gotcha, bitch. <laughs> Lean into that microphone. <laughs> Uh, Excuse me, ma'am, what are you drinking? (laughs) I know this is a shock to everyone listening. Um, It's box wine. Mm. Mm -hmm. From? Shocked. Trader Joe's. Oh, my God. Wow. I know. It's a great year. Everybody, I hope you were sitting down for that. Mm -hmm. May Um, I assume you're drinking Bieber? Girl, you know it. It is summer in the valley. It's not also in the valley. It's just valley in my heart. Oh, valley in my heart. Oh, just always going to be a little bit of trash deep in my heart. Um, yeah, I'm drinking a PBR. Um, when was your born? <sighs> the worst. <laughs> Terrible. Um, my babe was born in 1908. You are going first, my friend. Wow. I have okay. mere years. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm excited because I like this lady a whole lot. Um, and she's a lady that like I had seen like, you know, a little blurb about and I took a screenshot of it. And every yes. so often I'll just go through exactly. my photos and see. Yes. And so this is from like months ago and I found her again and I was like, oh, yeah. There's right. so many of those. Yes. Um, OK, cool. Reagan, Taylor. have you ever heard of Toto Koopman? No. Great. Cool. Okay. Toto was born October 28th, 1908, almost a Halloween baby, in Java to a Dutch cavalry officer and a Javanese mother. Um, So Java had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of issues with biracial people. Um, So at at the time in 1908, I have no idea about current. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't. I didn't do that homework. Um, So her Birth name was Katerina, I'm assuming. There's an H in there, but I think it's Katerina. Um, nobody ever called her that. <laughs> like her nickname became Toto when she was like four. And then that was what it was. Um, so she was treated with loads and loads of hostility kind of all the time. And it never bothered her. <laughs> she always was just like, whatever. Like, you can be mad, but like, I'm not bothered by it. So it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. So um, in 1920... She attends her, by the way, this is just the next little jump, but her entire childhood is very privileged, like very wealthy childhood. She had a pet kangaroo, like what? just 
Yeah. Also, okay. Okay. Quick question. Yes. For those of our listeners who don't know, where's Java? Um, it is. Let's. We're gonna Java because I definitely know, but I don't wanna. Sure. 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 I don't wanna. Let's see. Java is in Indonesia. Okay. It's one cool. of the greater islands. Okay. In I was Indonesia. assuming Indonesia. But okay, great. Carry on. Um, it's bordered by the Indian Ocean and the Java Sea. Um, it's the most populous island in Indonesia. Okay, cool. So, um, so 1920, she attends Bloemendal, which is a boarding school in the Netherlands. Um, it's where she learns. Are you ready? Get ready. I'm ready. She learns Italian, German, French. English, Dutch, and was on her way by the time she graduated to being fluent in Turkish. Well, obviously. Casual. Regular, I mean, normal things. Get it together. That's it? Oh, my gosh. Easy. Duh. I can, yeah. I could definitely do that in... For sure. I could learn basically a language a year. Me, I have, so... Oh, man. So many. I know all of them. Yeah. I don't want to... I don't want to like explain right now because I don't want to make you feel bad but like sure yeah I appreciate that um so on top of all of this she is absolutely stunning like she is so gorgeous so in 1928 she moves to Paris to become a model and she is quickly very successful at it um she works as an in-house designer and then later an in-house model for Coco Chanel but they didn't like each other because she said Coco Chanel was bossy, which like, wow. And like a yeah. Nazi, but like it's fine. Was she a Nazi? Yes. Do you didn't know I don't. That? I don't know anything about Coco Chanel. Like yeah, nothing she was, about Coco she Chanel. She was definitely for... a big old Nazi sympathizer. Wow. Yeah. Barf. Oh, well then. Okay, wait. This like is I just love that make... they didn't like each other. That's great. Wait. And it's. I can't wait to shit talk Coco Chanel at the end of this now, especially now. Okay. Right. So um, <clears throat> her family's not stoked that she's a model. They thought it was unladylike, and they likened it to sex work, which, okay. Um, Toto didn't give a shit. <laughs> so soon she's modeling for Vogue. In 1933, she becomes the first cover model, because up until then, it had only been illustrations. So wow. she was the first, like, actual cover model Dang. of Vogue. Dude. Um, she's working with huge designers. She is just, like killing the game um at one point she said quote one dressed up not to please men but to astound the other women <laughs> yes like she knows she knows who her audience is and it, she, she wants it. ladies to be like damn girl female gaze yep um so all of this becomes such more like that much more impressive considering that it's a the 30s b she's biracial and c Happy Pride, the bitch is openly bisexual in yes, the thirties. Openly yes, bi, mm, a queen. Um, oh no, wait, I can't. <laughs> I got too excited and I ripped these out of my ears. Okay. I just said the most important piece of it. Well, you're not gonna know until you go back and damn, listen to it. Damn. Watch it. It'll be like, um, you know, like on ghost shows when they say that they like the ghost like made them stop recording or something for a bit, a little yeah, bit. You won't hear my nugget. Of like, <laughs> anyway. Um, 
blah, 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 blah. Okay, so throughout the 30s, she has tons of flings, like just all over the place. Some notable ones. Um, she was with Tallulah Bankhead, who is was a famous actress. Um, she dated Randolph Churchill, the son of Winston Churchill. <laughs> it was rumored. I saw this. I saw this in one place, and it also referenced it as being a rumor. So, like, who knows? Um, but it was rumored that she at one point slept with Mussolini's son-in-law, just because. <laughs> like, she's just sleeping with everybody, like all over the place. I mean, get, um, it, bro. get after it. Um, so through Tallulah, she was in, she had like a bit part in some movie and her scene ended up getting cut, but she ended up going to the premiere with Tallulah Bankhead. And while at the premiere, she meets Lord Beaverbrook, which like, what a name. What a name. What a name. Um, he was about 30 years older than her. He was a newspaper magnet, quote unquote. I don't really know what that means, but I'm assuming he owned a bunch of newspapers. Yeah, like like Hearst and all of those. Yeah. Big old Bottom line, he's super rich. Sure, sure, sure. Magnate um, means money to me. Yeah. Super rich. Um, so little did he know she was also with his son. <laughs> so she dated Dang girl. both of them for like a few years. Um, and then what? that's so when long. He, it's so long. <laughs> and so then when he found out, when Papa found out, he offered them both a lifetime pension to not marry each other. So both of them were like, all right, bye. So like she just had a lifetime pension from not marrying his kid. Oh my god. Oh my god. Rich people shit. Um so that being said, he also took to his newspapers published a lot of shit about her, which is why I'm a little curious about the like Mussolini sure, son-in-law sure. claims, or things like that. Like, about. I don't know. Right. But it basically, it tanks her reputation in like London high society. <laughs> um, but she's like still fine. So 1934 um, through her affair with Lord Beaverbrook himself, she was exposed to lots and lots of information. And because she was so multilingual, we're in the 30s oh and we're in Europe. Oh, my God. So she starts gaining early intelligence about fascist and Nazi occupations. Um, 1939, she goes to visit friends in Italy in Florence. She meets quickly falls for because it's our lady Toto an Italian resistance leader. So this time we're coming to World War II from the Italian yes. resistance yes, instead of the French resistance. So she ends up helping by using all of her fucking languages that she's mastered. She uses all of her connections. She starts selling her clothes and her furs to help fund the resistance. I love it. Fuck you, Coco Chanel. So, yes. um, so she said, quote, I thought I could join for a while and then report back from the hotel. But once I was in, I became totally immersed. Ugh. I love her being like, well, yeah, like maybe I could just like dip my toe into the whole spy game. Oh, no, nope, nope, I'm in. OK, so now she's like doing extreme spy shit, like all of the stuff that we've talked about with the SOE kind of kind of like times a factor of 10 because like it's a whole different side now it's the italian resistance so they're doing different shit and she's um, a celebrity right 
Yeah, yeah. So she infiltrates meetings of the Black Shirts, which was the Italian fascist party's parliamentary wing. Um, and she would report those findings back to England. Two years into doing this, though, she gets caught. Um, the Italian police sent her first to a prison in Milan, then moved her to Lazio, and then to a detention camp called Massa Martina. Um, she escapes from said detention camp and goes and hides in the caves in the mountains around Perugia. And then she finds, while she's in the mountains, she finds a local resistance group and just picks all on with them. Just starts yeah. doing doing it all over again. Oh she's God. literally like on the run and just finds another group and is like, yeah, cool. All right, cool. Like none of this. I'm going to wait it out. Right. None of no. it. Um, so shockingly, cave life wasn't the best. She lived off squirrels and the whole resistance team lived together and had to hop caves all the time. Dang. So she said, quote, I think I missed not going to the hairdresser most and I missed privacy. There certainly wasn't much of that living from place to place with so many men. Because, yeah, that's the other thing is that this isn't like the SOE where they have a whole where they have women where they Any have like women. a group of women. Like oh, she man. probably was not. I'm sure that there were women around, right, but, but probably not. <laughs> so um, and men are so good at not staring. Oh my God. Yeah. So good at it. So it's not even like she is just doing the logistics side of the resistance, which like in and of itself would be very impressive um, and super brave. She's like helping blow up Nazi and Axis supplies. She's connecting Jews to resistance networks. Like she's doing shit on the ground to like help. So, okay. So she's in the mountains. The fascists, as I kept seeing them referred to, which I think probably just means Mussolini's team, the Italian part of it, um, eventually figured out where she was in the mountains. She gets captured again. Um, But they kind of forgot that it was Toto Koopman. So she escapes again. (laughs) So now we're two for two. Um, So she heads to Venice and she displays her absolutely gigantic balls like directly to the nazis so her friend is hosting a dinner at the daniele hotel super swanky like ritzy hotel the same night as the party german forces were raiding the hotel in hopes of discovering spies that had been hiding out there and taking them off guard so in a quote from the daily beast who usually is like kind of a rag but like it's too good of a quote not yeah yeah quote in a brazen gambit, the aristocrat threw an opulent dinner for the German general in charge of the operation and seated him directly next to Toto. Dressed to the nines and flirtatious as ever, Toto was so conspicuous it never occurred to the Germans to suspect her. Ugh. It's just waltzed on in there being herself. And they were all like, no, no, she's too famous. Can't be her. Oh, my God. Wow. After being captured twice. 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 Yep. Wow. So, um, you know how I told you this was like a really fun story with like a little sandwich of like Bummerville? Yeah. We're getting into Bummerville. So it's a little hard to figure out the, oh, also the the whole time I was reading that article about that dinner, all I could think of was the scene in Inglorious Bastards when she's having lunch with Christoph Waltz. Yes. Oh, dude, it, like exactly that. 
Like exactly that. I would love a scene that is a meal with Christoph Waltz. Oh my God. Like, yeah. Just you've made it. If you get to have a scene where you're having a meal with Christoph Waltz, you've made it. Yep. Yep. Um, Okay. So it's a little hard. It was a little hard to tell from the stuff that I was reading when this happened. It seemed like one article was implying that it happened at that party, but nowhere else said that. So I think it was just shortly after that party, she gets captured again. Um, October 1944, she gets captured. This time, the Germans are like, "Mm -mm, not this time. Mm -hmm. So they send her to Ravensbrück concentration camp, um, which was the concentration camp for women. Um, In the time that it was open from 1938 to 1945, 90,000 women died there. What the fuck? Seven um, years? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so while she was there, Toto was subject to medical experiments. Um, basically, every single awful thing that we know concentration camps yeah. to be happened to her. Um, but she was really, really, really fucking smart. And so she lied to the guards because she spoke flawless German. Yeah. And told them that she was a registered nurse. And so they put her to work in the infirmary and she would sneak in food to hospitalized people, which was something that was punishable by death if she was caught. Like she was in the concentration camp, risking everything for people still, still. Um, So shortly before the liberation of the camp, the Nazis were convinced to release 7,500 women into the care of the Swedish Red Cross, and Toto was one of them. Um, Randolph Churchill, Winston Churchill's son, Mm -hmm. ex-boyfriend extraordinaire, big platonic hard eyes. He meets her her in Gothenburg, Sweden, um, Switzerland. He helps her get new clothes. He gets her a new passport. He helps her find a wig because they had shaved off all of her hair. He just like fully takes care of her, helps her set up in Escona, which is on Lake Maggiore in Switzerland. And like, just as like a place to recover and like rest and like get back to. War is insane. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Um, so while she's there, she meets a lady named Erica Bronson, which dibs, um, Erica (laughs) was an art dealer who was determined to open her own gallery. She had also worked in the resistance, but on the English side, um, the two quickly fell deep in love. They They moved to London together. And in 1948, they opened the Hanover gallery. So, with um, the Hanover Gallery was known, it closed in 1978, I think, but it was known because it represented lots and lots of famous artists um, and it flourished because of Toto's connections and Erica's eye for art because she was a curator. So they had like a perfect little, um, on top of that, apparently a lot of people came over to the Hanover because they were both, they were openly lesbian. Yeah. And so people in, the 40s and 50s were like, what? Because right. it was still very illegal in England at the time, and neither of them gave a shit. And so people were coming to the gallery to just be like, a lesbian couple. So they had an open relationship the whole time that they were together. Um, and Toto apparently had many, 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 many flings the whole time. Um, and 
they stayed together until Toto died in 1991. So they were together for, let's see, they met, shit, none of these have dates, but they probably met like somewhere in the early fifties and were together until 1991. Um, Toto died of a stroke. She was 82 and Erica only died a year and a half after she did. And that is, the incredible story of Toto Koopman, because you know I love my spies. 100% spies. I feel like I do spies, spies. all the time. And we both do, and I'm really I can't, okay I just, yeah, like. It's so cool. Every single story is amazing to me for different reasons. Like, they're all yes. doing very similar things, and but the, they're the all the so risk different. risk and danger and the incredibly humongous balls humongous balls it's so cool and it's all like they could get caught and be tortured and killed at any moment but it is worth it for them most of them do get caught most of them do like most of the ladies that we've talked about have gotten caught yeah yeah it's so it's so it's so cool it's so cool it's so 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 cool yeah it's so brave it's so and I can't, I like, it. it's stories like that that make me, like, that I need to read a lot, given the last year and a half that we just had. Yes. <laughs> Where I feel like my, my like, faith in humanity has been questioned so many times. Yes. And so reading stories like that make me be like, oh, no, okay, there are people out there who could literally be sent to a concentration camp and, and still put mm-hmm. themselves in between danger and these people like yeah. it's unbelievable yeah mm. so that's why i was saying like that's why it's even better that coco chanel sucks yeah and that toto koopman didn't like her because like toto koopman then went on to be like this amazing um okay so my sources are advocate.com um, a article by Trudy Ring called Women Who Paved the Way, Model, Spy, Arts Patron, Toto Koopman. <sighs> I know. Um, an article on them.us written by Elisa Goodman called The Story of Toto Koopman, The Free-Spirited Model Turned World War II Spy. Mm. And then Wikipedia. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Cool lady. Job, Thanks. Very cool, lady. Very, very All cool. All right. I'm going to sit on back. Yeah, relax. Enjoy your mm. beer. All mm. right. Um, this one has a lot of pronunciations that I um, am trying really hard, but I also don't know mainly where to put the emphasis, so I'm probably going to mess them up a lot. But, okay. <clears throat> Preamble done. Taylor. Yes. Have you ever heard of Masako Katsura? Yes. Yeah. Are you joking me? I almost did Dead her serious. today. Dead serious. Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to go delete that screenshot, I guess. Yeah, delete it. Get it out of there. Damn it. I know. I can't wait to hear this. I love I'm this. I'm so excited. I only know the, like, oh, I gosh. only know, is this, wait, is this the lady that you heard, like, a little blurb about? On a podcast? This, no, th- no, this is the oh. Google Doodle. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. 
I Damn saw it. Google Doodle and I was like, I don't care who this is. I need to know this story. I can't wait for this. I'm. This is 100% one that was very yes. much a like, yes. what's the funniest the thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Great. I'm in. Great. I'm so excited. Okay. So Masako Katsura, or Katsi, was born March 7th, 1913 in Tokyo. She had three sisters and a brother. Um, we don't know what a ton about like that, but her family, or uh, sorry, her father passed away when she was 12, unfortunately. So she went to live with her older sister and her brother-in-law, and her brother-in-law happened to own a billiard room. So uh, uh, I, I know. She started working there as a billiard attendant when she was 14 after she showed a, quote, intense interest in the sport. <laughs> I just, I'm picturing, like, the funniest 13-year-old just, like, lurking in this billiards yes. room, just, yes. like, watching everybody play yes. pool all the time. And, like, everyone's smoking. <laughs> and yeah. there's so much cigarette smoke. So they bought a billiard table for their home where she started learning to become ambidextrous. Because obviously. I didn't even know that was a thing that you could learn how to do until this moment right now. I think, I think, well, I don't actually know. This is all just me bullshitting, but I feel like it's something you have an inclination towards. Mm -hmm. Like certain people have the ability to become that way if you practice it. Okay. Probably, probably everybody can if you practice hard enough. To some degree, some I bet people, everybody can. But certain people, it's easier than others. I don't know. I have no idea. I've never studied this. Um, you sound great, though. Thank I believe you. you. Oh my God. <laughs> Studies have shown. Um, so, so she started practicing all the time, and then she started playing against Japanese men, and then she started beating them. Hmm. So. By the time she was 15, she won a women's straight rail championship. So straight rail means that, like, the cue ball has to hit two balls in a row in order to score points. Okay, so wait. So it's been, it's been a minute since I've played okay, pool. So okay. the cue ball is the white ball. Cue ball is the white ball. Okay. And you ha that's the one that you hit with the stick. Right. It's the only one that you can hit directly with the stick. And then that one knocks the other ones into the pockets. And you are either stripes or solids. Correct. And you're only trying to get your balls in. in. Yeah. And okay. the eight ball, the black ball, has to be last. Has to be last. Okay. So if you hit the black ball in early, you lose. God, what anyway, a fun game. It's a super fun game. And it's all about geometry. And I understand the math of it. And I still am terrible at it. But so in straight rail... You can't just, like, say you have a solid ball right in front of a pocket. You can't just knock it in and make points. You have to hit another ball that hits that ball that then knocks it in. Oh, okay. Like you have to hit two balls in a row. You have to hit You have to hit the cue ball to hit another ball. To hit two balls. To yes. hit the ball that you're aiming for. Correct. Okay. So you hit three in total. Yes. Cue ball. One, one being the cue, one being the one that Correct. you are aiming for. Okay. That is what I understand. I'm Great. sure there's someone out there who plays billiards who's screaming. Anyway. If you know a lot about billiards, please Keep let yourself. us live in um, our fantasy world. <laughs> <laughs> so she's 15 and she won a women's straight rail championship. Then she and her older sister start touring Japan, China, and Formosa, which is now Taiwan. 
Okay. Later, she has two younger sisters that also go on to win the women's straight rail championships. And her older sister was also an accomplished billiards player. So they're all just dynamite at this game. Wow. Yeah. I bet they had really chill barbecues. Extremely. Can you imagine going over to a barbecue at that family's house and then no. being like, do all you want to play about pool? <laughs> do you want to play pool? You just being like, no, sorry, I have to leave now. Yeah. Be like, I'm, really, doing this. I'm really bad at geometry, but you guys have a great day. <laughs> um, so she would practice every morning for two hours before her brother-in-law's parlor opened. And she would play various Japanese men six to seven hours a day. What? Yeah. So she's practicing two hours by herself and then challenging these men that come into her brother-in-law's parlor for six to seven hours a day. Isn't she like 16? What about? Correct. What about school? Who needs it? So (laughs) not to be that like old mom, but like who needs it? Okay. So she was accomplished in many three cushion championships where basically the ball has to hit three of the cushion sides before hitting two balls to earn points. What? Yeah. So like, wow. Yeah. You basically have to like everything. I mean, how do your how does your brain work like that? How, like, how can you like see that? You know, like, yes, I have no idea. Wow. So, American servicemen who are stationed overseas would watch her and then come home to the States and just rave about her and be like, there's this lady, you know? (laughs) So one uh, men's only championship that she was playing at when she was 19, she racked up 10,000 points in a four and a half hour run. What? What I'm, what is an, what's a normal amount of points for a game? Because that seems extraordinarily high. It's extraordinarily high. I have, like, literally, she was just hitting the ball around the table a bunch because she could. And then she stopped at 10,000 because she was like, eh, it's a benchmark number and it's a nice round number. Like, she she could have made a billion points. I have no idea. She was just like, eh, I'm killing it. So, like, I guess I'll stop. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, 1937. She garnered the attention of Kenry Matsuyama, who was one of the greatest players in the world. And Matsuyama started teaching her how to do like top level billiard play and strategy. So by 1947, she was like a star and the only professional female player in Japan. The wow. Yeah. So she starts giving exhibitions and teaching lessons to an American serviceman stationed in an airbase in Tokyo who was named Vernon Greenleaf. So she and Vernon get married in 1950. Hard eyes? Sure. We don't know much about it, but sure. Okay. Mild Uh, hard eyes? Yeah. Probably hard eyes. Okay. Great. Not, not hard eyes. So. I'll settle for those eyes. You know. uh, Okay. It's eyes. They're eyes. She has has eyes. Okay. Great. For Vernon. Cool. So after they get married, he got restationed to San Francisco in 1951, the next year. So a little bit of a rewind. In the U.S. in the 1930s, billiards had been humongous. And there was like an average of three articles written a day about various billiards things. But then World War II happened and everybody was like, we don't have time. 
So the popularity kind of went down, but then Katsy showed up. So all of her business partners would dress her up in tight kimonos and high heels because she was five foot and weighed less than a hundred pounds. Wow. But ultimately all of the articles were like, yeah, she's beautiful and tiny, whatever. But like, it was her skill that people were like, have you seen this lady? Like what the hell is happening? She's crushing it. So there was a billiard hall owner in San Francisco and eight time world champion named Welker Cochran. There's a lot of names in this. Okay. So Cochran had sent his son to Tokyo to see her and be like, is she actually, you know, everything. And his son came back and was like, I mean, she's better than you. (laughs) (laughs) So she got to San Francisco. She went to see him and did a private performance. I don't know what that means. I imagine there's a lot of like bouncing billiard. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Who knows? So he said afterward that she had done one of the best strokes he'd ever seen and making nearly impossible shots. So there was a championship. There was a world three cushion championship coming up and he went to the billiard Congress of America, which is what (laughs) a group of people that make a lot of decisions. I'm learning so much about the billiards world. It's a whole world that I know nothing about. Wow. But I am wow. like I do. Yeah, you're nailing it. So thank you. So he went to the Billiard Congress of America and was like, you guys have to let this woman compete. It's going to be great. And they're like, we'll make a bunch of money. You bet. So she was the first woman to compete for a world, world billiards title at that championship. San Francisco, 1952, and she placed seventh. The next year and the year after, she finished fifth and then fourth. So she's, like, climbing. Yeah. So then Cochran and Katzi go on an exhibition tour of the U.S. after the competition in 1952, and before leaving, she said, quote, I hope my tour will convince women that billiards is not only a man's game. Women can play just as well as men. So she spoke very little English, so her husband would go on tour with her and provide translation. <laughs> Cute. Cute. Um, but basically she knew she was great, so she would just smile and play billiards and win some and lose some, but it was always like a really, really tight competition. Yeah. So her career brought her a degree of fame, and she had television television appearances on ABC's You Asked For It and CBS's What's My Line. Oh, my God. What? That was a strong copy and paste sentence right there. What, like, old-timey TV names? I know. I know. Um, but everybody was just like, wait, 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 wait. She came from nowhere, and she's competing at a man's level? Yeah. But everybody was like, if she had some more training and did some more competitions, she would be a world championship or world champion. Wow. So she wrote a book called Introduction to Billiards that was published in Japan in 1952, followed by Improve Your Billiards in 1956. So cute. But she would regularly play. I wonder if you can actually, sorry, I wonder if you can actually learn how to play billiards from reading a book. I think you can. Like the strategy and the. Yeah. Yeah, it would yeah, take probably like, like you can't probably just like that and then like pop in and be, be like, great. Mm, I know. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. It would still take practice, but like, yeah, I think you can do it. 
I bet that's a fun book to read. I bet it's so cute. Um, so she regularly played in Chicago, Philly, New York, and sometimes Boston and Buenos Aires. Just, she's all over the place. Yeah. So there was this guy named William Hopp, who was a 51-time world champion. Jeez. And as long, basically as long as he was in the U.S., the game stayed popular. Because they were like, we have William Hopp, you know. Um, you know how people like to be good at stuff. And yeah. Like, people love being good at stuff. It just reminded me of, like, when the Cubs won the World Series and then everybody in Chicago was like, baseball! Like, <laughs> they've yeah. always been a big fan of baseball, but then once they won, it was just like... Did yeah. you know that we are baseball? Yeah. Um, so anyway, so he was really excited to play her. So people who had no idea about what billiards were, were showing up to watch her play. And they loved it. Like they rooted for her all the time. So every time she had a big upset, they were huge fans. This one guy, Danny McGordy, said, quote, she would murder you. I found out damn quick. You could not leave her an open shot. If you did, she would take those balls away from you and stick them right up your pooper. The, ki- <laughs> the killer instinct that brought had it, and never mind the little smile. Hands down one of my favorite quotes. Honestly. Of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's stick excellent. Right up your pooper. Right up your pooper. Danny McGordy, right up your pooper. Um. So A mostly, poet. though... A poet, that Danny McCordy. <laughs> Mostly, Katzi managed to avoid major professional tournaments throughout the 50s. Rumors were it was either because her husband wanted to or she had frayed nerves. Nobody really knows why, but she mostly avoided the big tournaments. She did play one title game in 1961, but she lost. And in 1976, Katzi was 63. She showed up at Palace Billiards in San Francisco. She borrowed a pool stick, ran up a hundred straight points with like no, I mean, just easily. Mm -hmm. And then after her 100 point run, a pool author wrote, quote, without a miss, she smiled, bowed to the applauding crowd, stepped away from the spotlight and disappeared forever from the American billiard stage. Oh, just like, thank you. Good night. All right. Bye. Yeah. The same year, um, 1976, a group of women founded the Women's Professional Billiards Association, and she was one of the first Hall of Fame inductees. Wow. But she disappeared from the scene. She moved back to Tokyo in 1990 to live with her sister, and she died in 1995, and I have no idea how or why, but she was the first lady of billiards. That's incredible. The photos are so They're good. They're so good. I They're know. They're so good. And you can watch them on YouTube. It's so, so oh, good. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, I mean, quick sources, like literally the Google Doodle Info, poolmagazine.com, and Wikipedia. Like, yeah. Pool Magazine. I know. Poolmag.com. Wow. Yeah, she is. Good one. Real great. And I'm glad I got to be the one to do that story. Yeah, really good one. You as well. Do you have a, excuse me, let me burp real quick, a babe this week? Um, I do have a babe and it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a random one. Um, but it's something that I haven't been able to stop thinking about. Have you watched Bo Burnham's new special? 
no, not yet. But mine's also a show, and so I was like, are we gonna have the same? Um, not yet, but it's. I really, really want to. I'm excited. Too. Um, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. I, I would not call it comedy, really. Right. That's what I've heard. Um, but it's. I mean, it's. Evan described it as the only closure you're ever going to get on 2020 if you have any anxiety or depression. And I think that's the best way to sum it up. It's so clearly it's I mean, literally everything about it is so relatable, which is, I think, what makes it really awful. You know, that like everything about it is very relatable. One of the early songs is FaceTiming with my mom. And he's just talking about how these 40 minutes of like seeing somebody are absolutely essential. And like Evan and I were talking about I was like, I don't think that in 15, 20 years when people are watching the special for the first time that didn't right. live through this or weren't adults for this. Right. That I think, I think all of it is going to hold up really well, except for probably that song. Cause there's just such a, like, there's such a like urgency to it of like, mm-hmm. no, I will go crazy if I do not call somebody today. Cause I can't see anybody. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. And I sobbed through the whole thing, but it's so catchy. Everything about it is so catchy. It's so smart. Um, I, I hope Bo Burnham is doing okay. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's great. It's very, very, very good. And is terrible that it is so relatable and also like such a relief that it's so relatable that it was not just, you know, me having all those exact feelings for a year and a half. And like, it's, it's great. It's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I highly recommend, but I also highly recommend watching it when you're like having a good day. Right. Right. (laughs) So I'm very excited to watch it. Who's yours? It's, it's kind of, a couple of things. It's kind of just seeing my family mm-hmm. and being able to hug my family and play with kids. Like, yeah, it, it's so crazy how important just play is for humans, kids or adults. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people are really nervous around kids, which makes a lot of sense. Um, because once you become an adult, there's so many things about it that you don't do anymore and you don't have any contact with, but it's a lot of them are so easy to be around. And so like, you just talk to them and honestly, you just let them lead the conversation and you play word association and it's, you're great. (laughs) But it was so much fun to just like play and be silly and be dumb and make dumb jokes and explain what puns were, yeah, you know, stuff like that. It was, it was just really fun. But also on the way home, I watched um, Raya and the Last Dragon on the Oh, plane. man, is it good? Cried twice. It looks um, great. Yeah, it's great. It looks great. And, like, Kelly Marie Tran and Sandra Oh and, like, the whole, the whole cast is so good. And I was so invested in this movie. And I was so invested in this plot that by the end, I was just like trying to hide that I was crying from everyone around me on this plane 
but I was crying hard. And man, yeah, it's really, it's really good. And it's funny because like, so Aquafina voices the dragon. I love Aquafina. And it's great because like, at, spoiler alert, at one point the dragon shapeshifts into a person and they just animated Aquafina with crazy hair. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> hey, look. Uh, so that's hilarious. I'm very excited for her to play Scuttle in The Little Mermaid. I think she's going to nail it. That's excellent casting. Yeah. But it's just like, she is so herself and it's so delightful in all of the ways. So like, highly recommend if you need a, if you need to feel good What's about the on? world. Disney Plus. Disney Plus. If you need to feel good about people and the world and everything, go watch Ryan the Last Dragon. It's great. That's a great recommendation. It's really, really great. But yeah, just like seeing family and then having a good cry on the airplane. It's just like, mm-hmm. we're good. Mm-hmm. Back to life, you know? Yeah. Sometimes a good cry is like exactly what you need. Yes. Especially, especially like truly a good cry, you know, mm-hmm. where it's just like. Right. Like a happy cry. Like a happy I'm, cry. it's a Disney movie. I know it's going to end well. It's a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like nothing's going to. And like the music is going to be something beautiful and it's going to be inspiring and wonderful. And I'm just going to happily cry on this plane. Thank you. I would love another Diet Coke. Yep. That's why I watch Bob's Burgers like basically on repeat because like nothing bad ever happens. Yeah. You know? Yep. Bob would disagree, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. We've done did it. It only took two hours. <laughs> we we've got it locked down tight. Locked down. Um this was great. Mm-hmm. I agree. Do you want to do it real soon again? Yeah, okay. Okay. Are you awake for that? It's isn't it like eleven o'clock there? Okay. Um, yeah. I'm into that. Great. Okay. I love you. Okay, I love you. Good Good night. Night.